I haven't actually been inside Newcastle East Public School before. Driven past a million times, had a chat to the boss on the phone a couple of times on the radio, but it's really beautiful. Isn't it? I know. Um, the architect managed to, I suppose, match the, um, the grandeur of the space to the importance of learning. That's the way I see it. The school on the hill is soon to celebrate its 200th anniversary, which is quite something, isn't it? It is, yeah. It hasn't been on this site for 200 years, but as an institution, the school has been continuously operating since 1816, which is really impressive. It's the oldest continuously operating school in Australia. And in fact, the school's very proud of that. And it actually wears that as a tagline on its uniform. So um, the heritage of this school is is very much celebrated, acknowledged and um, appreciated by the school community. John Beach, you're the principal here at the school. Is this um, the, the most wonderful location that you've ever worked in? Uh, it certainly is. The location is superb. The community's very supportive here and the composition of our, uh, of our school population is very, very diverse. So the whole package is uh, very desirable. On the one hand, you have the education of kids. That's your primary reason for being here and for looking after the students that come through the school and the families that are part of the school community. On the other hand, though, there is a huge responsibility in the heritage and the history of this building. Yeah, I guess the heritage is a very big part of what we do at our school. Heritage is certainly something that we teach to our students and so they know the history of the school, they know the details of the first headmaster at the school and so on. They could tell you what a classroom was like 200 years ago and it's really a big part of the kind of social legacy that we pass on to our children and on to the next generation to know about the development of public education in Australia and um, in the history of uh, free, universal public education, this school plays a very significant role and we're proud of that. What would those early days of the school been like? Can you even, you, you said that the kids would be able to describe a classroom for you. Can you really imagine what it would have been like though? Well, of course, the classes were much bigger in those days and the resources were very limited. So typical lessons consisted of uh, pages from the King James Bible being written out onto the, the blackboard and then the students copying those slavishly onto slates. Um, which would take the most of the day. And at the end of the day, the, the, uh, the headmaster would have a look at them and, uh, and assess the work and give it a tick or a cross or whatever. And then they'd rub it out and the next day they'd do another page from the King James Bible. <laughs> so, so they were very literate in the Bible, uh, a little bit light on for mathematics, a little bit light on for mathematics and history and those things. But uh, yeah, our kids have a very accurate idea of what, what school was like in those days and the, and the disciplinary techniques that were used and things too were all part and parcel of it. A school like this, is, I guess, Sarah, quite rare, a school that has this sort of history, nearly 200 years of history. I wonder if children who come through a school like this, and John, you might be best to answer this, are the children who are going to grow up with a a stronger appreciation of heritage and history, because quite often it seems to be something that we struggle to get people to understand and and love, particularly in this city for some strange reason. Mm. Well, it is, as I said, it's part of uh, of our legacy that we pass on to our children through our our teaching of history and and so on. But uh, our whole community here has a very, very strong sense of ownership of this school and a very strong sense of the history of inner city Newcastle. And we have families here who go back three or four generations at the same school 
and uh, and they're instrumental in promoting that awareness of the of the um, the importance of of the of local history, and and um, and how Newcastle played a part in the history of Australia as well. So, so yeah, I guess it is a key role for our school. Sarah, what sort of work has been done here from heritage uncovery point of view over the years? Because I'd assume that over the years you've had um, historians, archaeologists and interested people all over the place. John Carr, who's um, heritage architect, um, formerly of the Department of Public Works, was quite instrumental in adaptively reusing the school complex in the 1980s. So he can probably tell us a little bit more about that later on. But over the years, um, the school has had to keep investing in um, preventive maintenance and looking after the school itself, the school fabric. Just recently there was um, repointing happening just to make the, the building watertight. So um, there was quite an effort that went into prescribing the right composition of the mortar to prevent further ingress of water into into the future and also to make sure that you know the right recipes were used so that we don't set it up in the future so that it becomes you know future generations liability so there's been quite an ongoing investment in the school buildings and John you can probably probably add to that as well your responsibility, I guess, isn't it, John? And, and Sarah, I'd assume it in many ways a shared responsibility because if I, when I go to my PNC meeting, John, and there's never enough money for maintenance, there's never enough money for cleaning the gutters, and that's a school that's, you know, 100 years old with lots of much newer buildings in it. It's not a school that has this sort of history and, as Sarah's talking, quite serious and possibly expensive maintenance concerns. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, a lot of the maintenance responsibility comes down to school level now. So that's uh, maintaining the school, funding that maintenance and so on. Uh, so for a heritage building um, and a building that has local heritage significance, it's important that we do maintain the building as to this to this highest standard that we can. Uh, but it can be a struggle sometimes. It's difficult often to get tradespeople to do certain jobs around the school um, and it can be quite expensive as well. The thing about the funding for schools is that it's done purely on a per capita basis. So a school with, uh, with uh, 300 students gets the same maintenance funding as a, um, a new school, as, as a, a very old school. So it can be uh, a, a quite a challenging and time-consuming part of my job to maintain the school and to keep it in as close to a pristine state as we can. I just heard the words of our school principal coming out of your mouth, John. (laughs) So do you get assistance from elsewhere, though? Is, is, Sarah, is it something that council helps with? Is there, is there other money pertinent to the heritage of this building that assists you in its upkeep? There is some state government funding heritage funding that's available but for government buildings it doesn't seem to be available to us so so we find that to be slightly anomalous that um, uh, things like projects like the local hotels or the local um, the cathedral can access that funding and I don't have a problem with them accessing it but it does seem to be slightly anomalous that we can't access any money at all and we have uh, similarly uh, high demands on, on heritage, uh, maintaining our heritage status. So the, I guess the answer to your question, is there is there another bucket of money somewhere? No. That's a lot of lemmingtons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we <we're> <laughs> we have a very supportive and very active community here and uh, a lot of the money that we raise 
uh, is spent on, on on educational purposes, but that does free up some of our school uh, our school's own budget money to be spent on on maintenance on maintenance uh, things. We have good support from our maintenance people within within the uh, Department of Education and Communities, but it's an expensive operation to maintain a heritage building. As Sarah mentioned, the repointing of the bricks, that was funded under the National Schools Pride Program, uh, which was money that came out from the federal government, uh, and in some schools they use that for repainting or, uh, you know, for some other highly visible kinds of works. For us, it just went in mortar between the bricks, so we could really see very little change in the school for that money, uh, but it was essential work that actually waterproofed the building and stopped it falling down. So the whole business of maintaining a heritage building is time-consuming and very, very expensive, and that's, they're the realities we're dealing with. But we're hopeful as we move towards 2016 that there will be some money spent on the school in terms of painting and so on. What do you want to do for that bicentenary? I hear you have special plans. Yeah, we do have one special plan. We've, we've been looking at having a kind of flagship project, which would um, involve quite a bit of fundraising as we move towards the actual date. And um, that's centred on a, a, the restoration of the old bell tower, which was originally on the very top of the school, on the, the, the ridge capping of the highest part of the school. It was a, a nine metre high timber and slate uh, spire, which contained the original school bell. Well, that was demolished in the 1960s. We still use that bell in everyday operations at the school. What we'd like to do would be to, to rebuild that tower in perfect detail, the perfect uh, reproduction of it, but put it somewhere down on ground level so that it's available for the kids and the students actually interact with it and it becomes a working part of the school again. So so that's a big project. We've already started with it. We have support from some local architects and builders who are helping us with that. Uh, we've managed through John Carr's, the, the Heritage Architects, uh, good services. We've got copies of the original blueprints for the school from the 1860s, early 1870s. Um, and uh, so we're working towards that. The, the next stage that we're up to is building a scale model of the tower and then we're going to start approaching various um, building supply companies for sponsorship and so on. John, you mentioned that this was not the original site of the school. Mm-hmm. What is the history of the school and its siting and what has ended up in the beautiful building here? Okay, well, this building goes back to 1872 and that was actually well advanced in the history of the school. The school has had its inception, its genesis, in 1816 when uh, it became apparent that there were a number of children just roaming around the beach area and the sand hills area. As this was <laughs> What's <called>. changed? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, a, a, a convict at the time, a fellow called Henry Rensford, approached uh, Macquarie when he was governor and said, you know, perhaps we could do something about setting up a school for those children to educate them and... Um, and keep them out of mischief. And Macquarie, you know, the great, uh, with his wearing his reformist hat, mm-hmm. said, "Oh, yeah, education will be a great, uh, a, a, you know, reformative kind of uh, agent for these kids." So, so our school started then in 1816 in temporary buildings, mm-hmm. and up on the in the in the, the vestry of a church, which is up near the current side of the cathedral. So we go back, That's for that reason, we, we're coming up to almost 200 years. But this particular building that we're, we're talking about now goes back to the early 1870s. Uh, the architect for this was uh, Mansfield, and uh, he had a, a preoccupation with Gothic 
design. So the, the school has very strong Gothic elements in it. Um, and you can see those in the roof, the roof alignments and the shape of the windows and the arrangement of the fenestration and so on. But it's um, the school uh, has got um, so much um, history involved in it. The the uh, James Hannell, when he was mayor of Newcastle in the in the 1860s, decided that there, we needed a new school in here. And the the uh, the unusual thing about it, this current Gothic building, is that it was totally paid for by public subscription. So uh, the cost of it was estimated to be £10,000. So Hannell organised a committee to raise the money for this school and they raised money through means such as, you know, band concerts and picnics and so on over a number of years. Did they have lamingtons then? Uh, they probably did have lamingtons. I'm not, if they didn't have lamingtons, they had the 19th century equivalent. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they managed to get the money together over, over a number of years. So this, the school, this current school was built in one year, which is quite amazing. When you consider that the materials, like the big blocks of sandstone and things, had to be all carried up the hill here by horse and so on, to do this structure in one year is almost, you know, verging on miraculous, I would have thought. But it's been here since 1872 and... Uh, and uh, really the, the government's responsibility since then has been to maintain it because it was not paid for with government money initially. Well, here's hoping that some of your plans for that bicentenary in, in, in 2016 come to fruition and we get to see perhaps that little river of gold running into the school. Even a trickle of gold would be very welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. John, you were um, the government architect at the time of the restoration. I worked work for the government architect, but I was the project architect. OK. What a wonderful job to be involved in. It's a great job. The interesting part is turning something that had been neglected and, um, you have to say, butchered over the years and uh, bring it back to its original livery. What did you have to do? What did you start with to return this building to the beautiful building that we see today? Um, we be began with a, a measured drawing, uh, which was highly detailed. Um, and that allowed us to uh, then look at the planning, and what education's requirements were to turn it back into a primary school. Because at this stage, it was just an empty building used for um, artists and uh, rehearsing plays, things like that. So um, it, uh, it began as a measured drawing. It was then designed up and approved for conversion to a school, um, or back to a school. <laughs> then the documentation began, and we had to do a lot of research on um, things like the paintwork, because the paintwork uh, was in such poor condition that the building really had to be stripped and stripped properly. At that stage, sandblasting was the the common way of removing paint, but it destroyed the masonry underneath. So then we looked at um, using the new experimental alkaline paint stripping methods. And because the, the building was all painted? The building was entirely painted, yes, that's right. So, it hadn't um, been originally painted. It, it no. had, at some stage, been, been painted, probably because um, that was the trend at the time. You have some photographs with you, John, that show the work during its its restoration in the early 80s. This must have been a huge job. Huge but wonderful, I suspect, because you still smile coming up to visit this building today and you've now retired. Yeah. Well, it occupied a fair amount of my time. Um, but it was a, pretty much a, um, an adventure in discovery. Uh, and one of those was the... Um, reconstruction of verandas 
because we only had one small porch left on the building that actually had any detail at all, and it didn't have any of the detail of the um, column capitals. But we did manage to find through uh, the Newcastle High School uh, Old Boys and Old Girls uh, Club, they had some very early photographs uh, of classrooms that happened to be taken right beside the, um, the verandas of the building and we were able to re-photograph that photo, blow it up and scale off the uh, capitals and then reconstruct them. Oh, your hints and clues are everywhere, aren't they? Okay, so the paint has come off and you're back to the original brick of the building, but the windows that were... They were changed in the 80s. You have... Well, have uh, yes, the, the windows um, originally were um, very narrow and, and some of them did su still survive, of course, on site. But when the school was changed to the Junior Boys High School, uh, some of these windows were smashed out and, and rather large and rather ugly uh, uh, glass uh, windows were placed back in there as, as a large element which let in some cases, too much light into the building. They were, they were put in there for, uh, I guess, laboratory work and things like that for the high school. But for a primary school, they weren't necessarily needed. So we, um, we reconstructed the windows in bricks we obtained from uh, the Sinclair homestead up the Hunter Valley that was being demolished at the time for construction of a new dam. Uh, and it was in the flood area. So those bricks matched our building perfectly. The roof is different. The roof's different, yes. Um, it, uh, it originally had a slate roof, um, and that was replaced with uh, an old asbestos cement Super 6 roof, and then we took that off and replaced it with um, fibrous cement shingles, which are pre-coloured uh, and uh, gave the representation of slate, but not the high cost of slate. When you were working on, on site, John, were there archaeologists involved as well around the site? No, not on this particular project. It, um, we weren't doing a great deal of excavation other than removing the tarmac because the whole site was covered in tar um, and we stripped that off and then uh, landscaped the site. But we weren't really doing much in the way of services or excavation works, so it wasn't really required. Most of that was already existing. Um, what we did find was uh, one of the roof ventilators was left up in the, uh, in the space after one of the alterations to the roof. So we were able to use that as a, as a, um, a mould and template and uh, redo the, um, all the, the roof ventilators to match it. In looking at these photographs, John, it seems to have been such an enormous job. How long did it take? It uh, took probably a year to plan and, uh, and roughly a year to, uh, to construct. I can only assume that having the original blueprints of the building was uh, in some ways a bit of a gift. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a bit, of, bit, bit fortunate to have them because it gave us, uh, I guess, a confirmation of what we were doing was the right thing. Um, in some instances, we couldn't uh, reconstruct what was there because it was totally gone. Uh, so what we did was simply replace the missing areas such as um, a castellated entry with a, um, uh, a veranda that matched the veranda that originally went uh, around the building.
So you found your clues in all sorts of places, didn't you, from mm. having the original plans to photographs of kids years ago? Yes, yes. So um, even, even under the building we found uh, a couple of window sills that have been demolished and just thrown under the building. So sometimes finding builders' debris that they'd uh, just left behind is, is an advantage. You must feel exceptionally proud, happy to visit it, to see it these days. Yeah, it, it um, was actually my first architectural award for a, a project, so that that was great. But I, I love the design, the, uh, the idea of Gothic revival in this style of uh, building was, was rather pleasant and is often mistaken for a church that uh, you've, you've uh, just correct people and tell them what it really was. But, um, yeah, it's been an important building, I think, for Newcastle over the decades and... Um, uh, or indeed centuries, uh, and, it, and nowadays, of course, it keeps alive uh, Newcastle East, which is the oldest continuing public school in uh, Australia. What are the challenges in looking after this building into the future, John? I think just uh, uh, keeping up the maintenance, um, making sure we keep the, the information and records that we have on the building so that uh, if we need to, with you know, natural decay from weathering, etc., we can uh, replace anything that uh, may disappear.